back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we are going to be discussing part three of five in the OKC Thunder's day one rotation. I've been giving projections all across the week on the podcast going on who I think will receive minutes, how many minutes they will receive in the Thunder's first day of play. Today, we are going to be talking about the small forward position. In this one, we have this one loaded. We have five different players to be discussing in this one. Lou Dort, Kenny Hustle, Aaron Wiggins, Usman Jang, and Vete Krejci will all be discussed in this episode where I see their role going into the day one rotation and what I think their you know, overall season plans will be. And to round it all off, guys, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. Starting things out, though, with this rotation, if you guys have not listened to my previous two pods on the matter, I rounded out the backcourt. I've been preaching the idea of the four backcourt lineup, you know, where everybody's interchangeable. That's what I ended up going with there. So you guys can listen to that, kind of my discussions on guys like SGA, Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, Jalen Williams, and many more uh, in those episodes. But moving on into the small forward position, you start to see sort of the ripple effect of how this draft actually impacts the roster. From the backcourt perspective, yeah, dominoes most certainly fell based on how OKC drafted. Jalen Williams being picked, obviously the main one. You know, he is that wing, he's that Swiss Army Knife type of player. And I don't think you can have a redundancy in terms of being a Swiss Army Knife. You can never not have too many players that are well-rounded in every category. Uh, but, you know, that does kind of change how some players, some of which I'll be talking about today, are going to be utilized moving forward. And in particular, in terms of the guards, you know, your traditional run-of-the-mill backups, you know, such as those of Teo or, or Ty Jerome might have diminished. But I think that was to be expected. They were not expected to be playing 20 minutes prior to the draft. The difference comes in when you go 3-5. to five. And as we increase in positions, go 3, 4, 5 in the next 3 pods, you're going to see larger shifts from the previous base roster we saw last season. The big reason why. Look at how OKC selected Chet Holmgren and then Jalen Williams out of Arkansas in the second round. Two bona fide centers. Chet Holmgren most definitely will be that starter at the five spot. We'll see what happens with Jay Will, but for certain, you know, you have a lot of minutes attached to a rookie that is going to tinker around OKC strategy where, you know, they used to play small ball fives in the starting unit. That's what they did the past two seasons with Isaiah Roby and then Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Roby's off the team now. Robinson Earl, we got to see what his rotational status will look like. And you can't forget, they just re-signed Mike Muscala, who was kind of written off as a potential guy that gets waived or doesn't re-sign in free agency and goes for a playoff team. Because most definitely he would have interest as a stretch five type of player. But he re-signs, and it's hard to envision him just being on the bench. You know, he, he's going to get some minutes in because he was one of their most effective players. Kind of holds true to how OKC runs things. Uh, but 
you know, run it all down. I mean, this is like a, a slide basically where you're going to see minutes uh, kind of move from all different positions and it's going to lead to some interesting rotations, particularly to start things out. And I want to make it clear, guys, when I'm talking rotations, I'm talking about game number one. If we can p- compare game one to game 20, this list is not going to look anywhere close to it. And that is is all part of what this is. It's very hard to give a, a strict season average right now because you got to factor in games where people hardly play, where they play 40 minutes per game. Very different from day one to day 82. So that is why, you know, I kind of have this format where I'm only talking about what I think happens in the first game and potentially like the first week that we see the team out on the floor. So kicking things out, at this small forward position, we have Lou Dort as the starter. He has continued to impress year by year with OKC. Comes in as an undrafted guard out of Arizona State. Two-way contract thrown his way. I remember you know, mentioning he had like a 35-point game with the OKC Blue. Almost right before he got called up. And once he got called up as a rookie, there was no turning back. Played against the Minnesota T-Wolves in his debut just going after loose ball after loose ball. He got to play in crunch time, and he delivered. You fast forward, OKC, as long as well as every other team, you know, has to kind of put the curtain on the season due to COVID. Um, and, and during that kind of resting period, OKC signs him to that four-year contract. Big-time player in the playoffs was almost the reason OKC went to the second round had his shot not been blocked by James Harden very well could have been a trip to the semifinals for the OKC Thunder that year he just asserted himself as a very special talent started in 28 out of those 36 games and then in year two he already kind of asserted himself as a big part of this rebuild did exactly that 14 points per game 40 uh not excuse me not 40 34 percent from distance and you know the defensive production was still there last season 51 games, 17.2 points, 4.2 rebounds, 1.7 assists per game, shooting 33.2% from distance. He improved greatly on the offensive front. I think the biggest point of emphasis for him in terms of his development, in terms of you know obtaining big-time minutes, is how is he going to be able to shoot the basketball. I think regardless, his role will be high because the defense props things up. But if you want the luxuries... You know, having him as a a more consistent three-point shooter obviously helps. Outside of that, though, I mean, everywhere else, he improved. I think the biggest thing that I visualized from year two to year three with Lou Dort was that he became so much better in penetrating to the basket. And whenever he used to get the ball on catch-and-shoot attempts, he almost immediately shot it or he kicked it out. And people didn't really play him on three-point shots. It was a high-quality look just about every time. But once players started kind of closing out, they realized, okay, he is a sort of a shooter. Then he knifes to the basket, and because of his frame, he's able to get ahead of the defender, and it's very hard for the defender to you know retain or recover that ground. And it leads to some pretty good drives for him. So he's become a really good Uh, offensive player but it's not just based on how he's able to shoot the basketball he's able to play in space create his own shots to some extent and that's obviously big time with him just signed an extension with the OKC Thunder most for the an undrafted player obviously in, in Thunder franchise history we'll have to see how that stacks up in terms of you know the actual 
uh, league-wide historical rankings. But major, major payday heading his way shortly here. And he is going to be a big part of the future. There were talks a month ago where it, it seemed like there was a, a discussion that Lou Dort you know, might finish out his fourth season with the Thunder and hit next year as an unrestricted free agent. Sam Presti kind of alluded to that in his press conference whenever he inducted the new rookies. I don't know if things changed or, you know, if they were trying to get anybody's hopes up, but it's not what happened. They got an extension set in stone and, um, you know, they've got things going with him. And he does fit OKC in terms of the defensive profile. Is he necessarily a ball handler? No. I think you just need to find good players to surround those ball handlers. And that is most definitely what he can be. Two seasons ago, he averaged just about 30 minutes per game. Last year, he averaged 32.6 minutes. So we'll round it up to 33. I have him chalked up getting 30 minutes from the get-go with this roster. And I imagine it probably moves up a little bit as we progress through the regular season. I have him at 30 for a combination of reasons. I, I want to see more players in the rotation to begin with. And I think, you know, having those cuts, um, you know, of a minute or two in, in minutes can really lead to having the back end of your rotation getting some shine. Regardless, if it's a 20-point blowout in the fourth quarter, Lou Dort's not playing, SGA's not playing, Josh Giddey's not playing, dynamics are different. We're going to see all the players that otherwise wouldn't be playing on the basketball court. So, you always need to take that into account, but I think base level, 30 minutes is a pretty good projection for him. Undersized for the small forward position, but he makes up for it with his just cat-like reflexes. I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, and he's very good at, at kind of restricting himself from fouling people. You know, rip-through moves were a nightmare a couple seasons ago. Guys like James Harden were just dominating. In the playoff series against Houston, he wasn't buying any of that stuff. The referees were giving him... You know, the benefit of the doubt, they weren't giving too many superstar calls to James Harden. So it led to a lot of success coming for uh, that 2019 to 2020 crew for them. It's going to be another year where he has a very high role within this organization. I'm really excited to see how he not only works with the starting core, but also players such as Jalen Williams, uh, just because I think that a guy like Jalen Williams is a, a pretty good playmaker, but you know, also on cuts, really refined there. How does that two-man rotation uh, work alongside these other guards? Because that is something that I think could become one of their more um, maybe efficient lineups, I would say, because I think both of them are very good on the defensive side of the basketball. Dort, if he's able to shoot the basketball, that's obviously a plus. And then Jalen Williams, you know, he's able to kind of eat you alive from all three levels, so... I'm a big fan of, of how that layout might look in the future. But 30 minutes for him, that's where I have everything settled on his plans going into next year. I want to talk about the other four small forwards in this rotation in one second here. But first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. 
plus with same game parlays spreads money lines over unders and props your betting options feel endless no nba action right now we got mlb in session mma's going on that's always where i gravitate towards if i were to be placing some bets i'd probably be looking for the next ufc card uh big card that would be it's always fun kind of checking the action on those ones but if you guys want to get in on ufc bets or any bet over at DraftKings sportsbook it is safe secure and reliable you guys can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want here's what you have to do for that offer go ahead and download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code tbpn make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to one thousand dollars that's promo code tbpn only at DraftKings sportsbook Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Going into the next assortment of small forward and overall wing prospects on this rotation. This is when it gets a lot tougher because I think you can establish the starting units between SGA, Josh Giddy, and Lou Dort. But that's what I'm talking about when there is maybe some redundancy in terms of Swiss Army Knives, which... I'm just I'm literally copying word for word what I said earlier, but it's true. These types of players, you want to have as many of them as possible, and it means when one gets hurt, you can plug in the other one, going to make an impact. I have Kenrich Williams as the day one backup small forward. 18 minutes for him. Another undrafted guy. Kind of a cool allotment you have there um, with them fielding those minutes at the three. His journey is also interesting. I mean, he was a throw-in with Joshua Gray and Zylan uh, Cheatham. Zylan's actually really, really talented. He's been killing it in the G League. Joshua Gray, I think, is overseas now. But Kenny Hustle looked to be all of the makings of a guy that gets waived. And, you know, it gets a good benefit out of it because it's a fully guaranteed first season. He'd be walking out of there with $2 million. Instead... OKC keeps them for training camp, beats out the competition, clearly beats out the competition, and makes an immediate impact for the roster. This was two seasons ago. Last year, same type of contribution, averaged 7.4 minutes and 4.5 rebounds, shooting 34% from distance, just about 22 minutes per game. This summer was big for him four-year contract extension heading his way on what I would consider is a pretty cheap contract. You look at most 3 and D prospects and how they end up getting, you know, (laughs) extensions. They're making eight figures and then some. When you look at Kenny Hustle's deal, the first thing that needs to be noted, he's not getting paid um, his next contract Um, until next season he's still making two million dollars this year which is very interesting because that means that you know if he wants to be a trade piece or the thunder you know want to use him as a trade chip he can be traded to another team and um, that can have some pretty good benefits because the kicker doesn't come until next season anyways though it's a four-year 27.1 million dollar contract like six to seven million dollars per season so really good budget pickup even if things do not work out and there are some partial guarantees and um, fully non-guarantees clauses attached to that 
Williams gets minutes because of how consistent he is. I think there are different rankings for this Thunder team based on how you want to categorize them. If you're looking for the microwaves, the guys that can put up points in a jiffy, is Kenny Hustle there? Probably not. Um, he has efficient quarters where he'll go like four or five for eight points, but he's not a player like Poku where he can like have 11 points in three minutes or some of these other players like Trey Mann. I guess that's a good example coming off the bench. But if you're talking who's going to be able to play 20 minutes per game, mesh well with the starters, make a good contribution against starting unit or the second unit of the other team, Kenny Hustle's top three might even be the best uh, just based on his overall abilities. Pretty good. Not just defending the three, but the four, I think two through four, he's actually pretty adequate as a defender, above average guarding the um, front court in the three and four, I believe. And he's just a glue guy that really helps uh, round out what you have one through three. Another deal is, you know, how is he going to work with other players? I think it's almost the same type of deal with uh, Jalen Williams, where Jalen's the one who's going to be hyperactive, cutting all the time. But as a catch-and-shoot option, Kenny Hustle looked pretty good the last two seasons with a Thunder. And it comes with an asterisk because two seasons ago, he was a monster from distance, where he's basically leading the team in the category shooting well above 40%. He shot 44.4% from deep, but he only attempted a little below two attempts per game. So the volume wasn't necessarily there. Volume is where you get those real stats off the sample size, but he most definitely played a, an ample amount to justify that percentage point. As long as he's shooting you know, mid to upper 30s next season, he's crushing this contract defensively. He's going to be imposing his will against opponents and he's all you want out of a bench player not just for a rebuilding team but for a playoff team this is someone that gets 18 to 20 minutes per game in his career he's averaged about 22 minutes per game with the thunder about 21 and a half minutes i have him listed at 18 i don't really know how to give a long-term projection on some of these guys i think a lot of reasons why you know, the minute totals have been so high is just due to injuries. And, you know, it's unfortunate for the Thunder. It's just been a bad stroke, uh, stroke of luck. But that's why you've seen other players play 24 minutes per game last season. It's because the opportunity was there. And uh, typically, and hopefully, it doesn't come up like that. It's not based on injury they get to play, but because they perform well or because you wind down in the season. Kenny Hustle is going to be a key part of the team while they're looking to compete. I think once you start going into the latter portions of the season, that's where he gets kind of uh, pumped on the brakes a bit and maybe not used too often. Use him more as a teacher for the team. And, you know, he seems excited to be in Oklahoma City. Mentioned he wanted to retire here. So uh, this is a good fit to keep him on the roster. Next up, though, is arguably, and I don't even think it's arguably, I think this is just clear cut the most difficult um rotational call that i'm making and quite frankly i think by week two this is not going to be the story i think he'll have a spot in the rotation but it's aaron wiggins i have him on the hunt slash inconsistent minutes so he's going to be inactive for that first game um but quite frankly i think that he he'll probably get minutes the reason i say this you know when you get into these game ones in any game when it gets out of control and, and when the game's maybe not going the right way someone gets in foul trouble 
you're going to call on another player. Aaron Wiggins is the best player I'd say not actively on my rotational card right now. And I have this assorted so that everybody in the rotation gets a pretty hefty amount of minutes. And I, I don't think that's realistically what will happen because of this team, because of what they're building. There's going to be people at, like playing 10 or seven minutes in the game opener and probably for the first month of the year just to iron things out. But if I'm going for what's going to put me in contention, what's going to give me the best rotation, you know, it's going to be a lineup where sadly Aaron Wiggins is right on the cusp of playing. If you see Lou Dort pick up two fouls, Aaron Wiggins is playing in that first half. If Kenrich Williams gets two fouls, he's playing in that first half. Jalen Williams, same thing. He has a big range of positions he can play at. The two and the three, he has mastered. I think at the four position, that might be pushing it. But that's where he played when Darius Baisley was struggling. And Aaron Wiggins stepped up to the plate and did a really excellent job. Pick 55 last year. He was actually brought into the G League Elite Camp that offseason, and he did so well, he got the call-up to the NBA level as well. Very good player at both of those areas, so it's kind of surprising he slid to 55. OKC gets him regardless, though, and they definitely panned a gym out of him. He had to start out with the OKC Blue, was just efficient every single game in the months of November and December. And then he comes out and averages 8.3 points, 3.6 boards, averaging 24 minutes per game for the Thunder. Started in 35 of those 50 games. So why would he not be in the active rotation? Like I said, I think he'll probably still get minute cuts to begin this season just in this, um, you know, this roster, this rotation. I'm trying to make it almost like a... Um, I don't want to use 2K as a good reference because I, I think that's a really bad <laughs> reference to use on any of it. But condensing it to where the most like win now type of roster is be. Um, he's he's still not um, exactly there though. I mean, he waited on his moment last year. I think he's earned the right to have minutes this season. And it's really hard just trying to talk myself. I'm basically talking myself out of not having him playing minutes. That's why I said this is the most difficult decision for me to make because he is worthy of playing. He'll play in your traditional game where there's fouls and all this, but in the perfect game for the Thunder, we're talking crazy contested all game, no foul trouble. He might not play too often here. So that's why I don't have him here, um, but... You better believe he'll have consistent minutes by the end of the season. And I think if certain players struggle and fail to meet expectations for this season, he's going to be the man fielding those minutes, averaging 20 minutes again, and uh, really thriving back in his role with this roster. Usman Jang is someone that I have kind of had the same uh, thought process on since he's been selected. And I didn't hear many others saying this until a couple weeks ago, and it, it kind of gives me some validation. It, it's good to hear other people in the uh, Thunder Media realm are kind of picking up on this idea, but I really think Usman Jang starts in the G League next season. I don't think that he's going to have a consistent role prior to making the jump to the OKC Blue, but if there's a blowout, he'll most definitely play in that fourth quarter. Special, special, special talent. Six foot ten with ball handling skills. You know, as a passer, he looks to have a pretty good grip on things. And even slashing to the basket, he looked a lot better uh, when he was really playing a point guard role in the summer league. 
when he wasn't the point guard, when he was latched to a corner, he was not effective for the Thunder in Salt Lake or in Las Vegas. He didn't really mesh too well with Josh Giddy, and that's sort of to be expected. They kind of have the same sort of base trajectory. Josh Giddy, stellar passer, good operating in the painted area, but he's not a good shooter. Usman, I'd say it's about the same. Might be a little bit more raw than Josh was going into his rookie season, but the potential is sky high for him. OKC has a lot of competition on this roster already, and that's why I say he's not getting minutes right now. I think he'd be playing in blowouts, but outside of that, probably suited up just not playing in any sort of games. Getting a learning experience coming off and, and hearing from the, the players and just viewing NBA action, if you will. He's oozing with potential. Uh, as a playmaker, you don't see very often six foot ten guys play the way he does. He has a nice step back in his game where he's able to create, and that's a really good part of his game to branch off of as a 19-year-old. He doesn't turn 20 until next May, if that gives you kind of a, um, a perspective on things. But, yeah, he's, he's freakishly um, talented in terms of his archetype. The one fall-through, though, is that three-point shot. And he didn't shoot well in the NBL from there. He did have a, a good clap to the season, but it seemed to just be a, a spurt where he was all right. Didn't really have the hot hand in summer league. And I think it's still going to be one of those things where he'll be inconsistent his rookie year from downtown. The best way to suit his role and the best way to maximize his potential year one is giving him as many in-game reps as possible. And doing so, you put him in the NBA G League. This is the Alexei Pokashevsky treatment. He played in the G League the last two seasons. Maybe he even plays in the G League this year too. We'll have to see how that all works out. But with Usman, you put him in the G League system. It's not a situation where if he's lucky, he's playing 11 minutes in a game. He'll play 20 minutes in a blowout game. He's going to be playing 30 minutes per game because he will be the focal point and the star of the blue. And in general, he'll probably be one of the stars of the G League just based on uh, draft position. Like, not too many lottery guys are starting things out there. But Usman, it makes sense why he'd be dipping down there to just open things up out of the gate. The blue rotation has changed since I've last spoken on the team. And Gabe Brown has been signed to two more Exhibit 10 contracts, which I think is... Um, I don't want to say it's hilarious, but it really speaks on how good of a prospect Gabe Brown is out of the undrafted pool. Good three-point shooter, solid athletic, athletic ability, and the Nuggets picked him up, and then about three days later, the Raptors picked him up. He had plenty of options for training camp, and he's putting himself in a very good position uh, to make an impact with the Raptors 905 next season. Usman's current core, if I had to predict, would be Jaden Shackelford, Lindy Waters, Eugene Omaruyi, and then Sasha Kalei-Jones at the five. Don't think they have a power forward anymore with Gabe Brown out, but that's a rotation that does not have a true point forward or a true ball handler. Even when you look at Jaden Shackelford, he's not a true point guard in the sense that you know, he is a score first type of player, which works in the G League. But if you're looking to, you know, get that foundation for an NBA roster, you want to find the guy who's making good reads, making passes all the time, sort of that pass first player. Usman is that, 
Jaden's a really good catch and shoot player. Lindy Waters, good shooter. Eugene looked like a good shooter in college. And even Sasha Kalei Jones might be able to pop out in the mid range and get some buckets going. So it allows him to initiate the pick and roll and play that side of the ball, but also he probably is going to share that initiator role with Shackelford. So he'd be out in the corner popping threes and really having to develop that part of his game as well. So that's the best, I think, schedule that I would have for him. Put him in the blue system for about a month. And if there's same game or same day games between the blue and the thunder and the paycom, move him up for the day and then move him right back down. He might play in both games. We'll see. But he's going to need to um, get a little bit more experience under his belt, I think, before he gets that rotational spot. He'll be playing by the end of the season. Once injuries come in and once you know the playoff picture is out, he'll be out there extensively. I don't know if he'll be getting treatment like the blue guys last year where it's 40 minutes per game, but it'll be high, high up there. Definitely cracking the 30 minutes being that starter uh, for some of those closing games. Vic Credci is who I went around things out with today. And, you know, he's um, he's fighting for something more than just rotational minutes. He's fighting for a roster spot, just as Teo Maladon and Ty Jerome are. At 22 years old, Vic Credci, going into his second season, has a lot of base to build off of. Six foot eight point guard, basically. Really good passer, really good in spatial awareness. And he looked really solid as a finisher, even from three really touched up on his game you saw the progression last season it's gonna be a tough battle to make that final roster spot though you know if i were to tell you who i think they would keep around it might be between him or i almost ty jerome i think ty jerome just based on his three-point play if they're confident in it but crutchy sort of has that blend of both potential and ability to play on the floor kind of being that glue guy low maintenance the one thing that kind of strikes through the low maintenance is defensive ability i think in terms of defensive awareness he's a little bit lower um than your traditional small forward or or guard in the league but there is a learning curve to be expected from that you know this is his second season tore his acl last september so you know, that's um, that's kind of where we're going off of there. But clearly, an NBA-level talent, both in potential and in terms of orchestrating the show as uh, a secondary or tertiary ball handler. This is another guy that I think would really thrive playing for the OKC Blue for a little bit. I don't think he gets immediate reps uh, with the Thunder, so that's why you move him down. And I think that dynamic duo of Kredchi and Usman would actually be pretty solid for this team. The one other addition to this is because of Veet's contract, he's only partially guaranteed. He doesn't get guaranteed, um, I think it's about nine, give or take like 971K or something until next calendar year. So the Thunder have time to tinker with it and see if they really want to keep him long term, whereas some of these other guys are fully guaranteed for this season. Veet is probably on an uphill battle right now but he stamped himself as a really solid player i think if he gets waived someone's gonna throw out a waiver claim on him just based on what they've already seen average 6.2 points 3.4 rebounds and 1.9 assists across 23 minutes last year and you could see both on and off the ball he could be a really good contributor really good 
backdoor cutter as well, which is a, I think, integral part of what makes OKC or what is going to make them effective on some of these drives to the basket. So that's sort of the story on Veet, and that's the story on all five of these small forwards. If you guys want to give me comments, you know, bash me for my Aaron Wiggins take, which is definitely warranted from you guys. Make sure to let me know. You guys can hit me up on Twitter at Ben Kreider or hit up the pod Twitter at Thunderstick Pod. Other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you all next time. See ya.